Welcome to another episode of the Limitless Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Smith. And if you have not done so, hit that subscribe button so that you never miss another podcast. And if you love this podcast and want some more tips and tricks on how to improve yourself, go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel. There are a ton of instructional videos. You can find the links down below. But for today, today, my friends, my guest is Dr. Vincent Van Ohm, V for short. V is a West Coast acupuncturist with a dominant focus on connection between emotional repression and physical pain. And she began her journey working with professional athletes. And once they stopped responding to traditional acupuncture treatments, she developed her own technique called subconscious imprinting technique. So SIT as an acronym, that's cool, to systematically resolve the anchors of emotional roots directly responsible for the chronic pain. V, welcome to the show. I'm stoked to be here, Kyle. Thank you so much for inviting me. My pleasure. So how is it that uh, that what you do impacts the lives of others? Oh my gosh, you just loaded question off the top. <laughs> how is it what i do you know what it's all about liberation we are walking around collecting data in our bodies in our minds in our spiritual capacities and if that data is not cleaned in the same way that we wash our socks every week shit builds up and that limits us from our fullest potential and so i come in whether it's myself whether it's our practitioners that we've trained to help liberate people of all of that stuff that we're carrying around. Like how many people have sat there and been like, I have all of this, but I don't know how to let it go. And so we are the people, we are the guides that help to let go. I love that. What is it that you're helping people let go of? It's an accumulation of so many different things, but first and foremost, I would say it's, it's the sensory data that is keeping people locked in the past. So that's the sight, sound, smell, taste, and touch. It's how we lock memory in, whether it's a good memory or, or maybe a not so pleasant memory. All that sensory data locks us in place and it actually suspend us, suspends us in time. If you are suspended in time and your body thinks that you're six years old, then you're going to act like a six-year-old. How many people have been like, stop acting like a child? It's because they're suspended in a different time period. And so when you can let that go, you can move into different places and spaces in your life. How many people want more money? How many people want a better relationship? How many people want the career and the life of their dreams? If you are suspended in a different space and time, you can't access that because you've got some other ish to resolve and let go of. I like that. So would you say it's almost like, or I have this kind of thought where until the point we make the conscious decision to show up differently, we will show up for our, I would say inner, inner child, inner, inner child in this case, as our parents showed up for us. Mm. Mm -hmm. So until we choose differently, we're going to continue to perpetuate the same problems by persist or yeah, perpetuating the past into the present. It's so true. If you're in denial of something, you can't see it. So how can you change it? When you bring it into consciousness, just like you said, then you have the opportunity to look at it and be like, okay, how can I actually change this now? Where, do, who do I have to access and what do I have to access in order to change it? But if you don't know, like if you look at your living room and you have no idea that there is a book on your shelf in the corner, 
that's going to unlock the reason that you have whatever pain or whatever emotional pain, we'll put it that way. If you don't know that book is on your shelf, how do you know you don't? Because you're in denial of it sitting there, even though it's right in front of you. And if you can't see it and you can't access it, then what are the ways that you can change? You know what I mean? Start with the things that are collecting dust. Yeah, yes. So much shit collecting dust within ourselves, you know, within, mm -hmm. well, really within society. We are so consumeristic. Mm -hmm. We want more stuff as opposed to potentially more experience within ourselves. I think that's beautiful. I think that there is a lot of things that just went through my head on that one. And, yeah. uh Oh my goodness, that was good. Like what? What went through your head? Okay, so one one thing that was kind of that was kind of cool is I kind of think of like I I believe that when we become more conscious or more self aware, then when we're self self aware, we become self reflective. Mm -hmm. So it's unawareness. Then we become self aware. We understand that there is a problem within our life, and then our self reflection is the next. I think of it like a skill tree. If we're like characters skill tree where self-reflection how am i contributing to the problem and then past that there's a variation where we go up to self-actualization and i think that the choices that we make are just the accumulation of how we play the game that's already in front of us yeah and the collection of experiences from the past that we just drudge on forward that continuously changes the way that we make choices it's so fascinating well, it's even, it's, it's, it's super cool because then people are, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of really neat research with how the DNA that we have are just membranes of memory. And it's just memory, just connected forward and forward and forward. And there's this one fellow, his name's Ed Milet. And I love the way he puts this where every person in their family is the one, the one to have the opportunity to change the trajectory of what's the, what the past has brought on. And I think that that's a, I think that's a cool thought it's such a cool thought i mean there's even mark wolin who talks about it. his book it didn't start with you i think everybody needs to read it they need to do it at school like it's just it needs to be everywhere because it it talks about that you know this this generational data that comes forward so what you were talking about with your parents like they only can operate to the level of consciousness that they have and then their kids have the opportunity to take that even further so that's how you can get all this change generationally but he talks about you know this this stuff that's so intangible and you can have these feelings and you don't know where they come from and it's as if they literally were passed down genetically through cellular data from parent to child and they have that opportunity with reflection, like you said, coming into the consciousness where you can actually be like, holy shit, that's not mine. That was my parents. I can let that go and I can move beyond it. And it is, it is so vast when you go so far out. And it's so cool when you start really, I mean, for me, when I started looking at so many different books and studies and et cetera, like there is so much data out there. Shout out to Dr. Candace Pert. Like that was one of the first books I read, Molecules of Emotion. Like how mm. you, emotional data is in, it is in the cells all the way down to these tiny little aspects of ourselves that make, make us who we are. And by changing that, oh my gosh, whether you choose to or not, like emotions are so incredible on their own to be motivating factors or to be huge limiting factors. And that it forever boggles my mind in the most beautiful ways. I really like that. 
Yeah. I like to think of, uh, I like to think of everything from a, I, I try to categorize things into macro micro as often okay. as possible. So a 10,000 foot view versus a subjective point of view. And, uh, something I was thinking, something I thought of when you were talking about that was how, I don't even know how I got into this one. Anyways. So how, how basically controlling, controlling, Oh, the macro was basically our DNA going through the history of our lineage and all the accumulation of all that data brought into one point. And we are that point. And there is a, there's a video game that's called Assassin's Creed. And then there's this component where the person in the present just kind of visually goes back into a past part of their lineage. Oof. And the idea is how animals or pigeons specifically can inherit so many pigeon specific abilities but it's just not even learned it's just in it's downloaded mm -hmm. and i think that when you think of it from the macro that's like a whole universe where from the very point in time which there's an interesting theory that universes actually exist within black holes and so each black hole births a new universe Whoa. yeah it was kind of i watched it was literally yesterday i watched this video but they had like the mathematics behind it from like physical like a physical physics standpoint it's crazy but then thinking of how in the present in this moment we feel the burden of that huge weight of the responsibility of being the person to change that right and how is it that you for yourself and for your clients found the inner role model i like to call it the role model and the rival but the inner role model to move towards that person when they feel i don't know not not in tune that way i suppose so like how do you get like what do i notice with clients to move from who they are to move beyond the whatever they were yeah. given from their parents or their story or their history like what what yeah. i see oh yeah it's interesting because I feel like there's two classifications of people that come in for the most part. I'm just going to categorize them into one is like, they almost feel hopeless. Like it is too much and they're crumbling under all this pressure. And, and they are, they are so far out in the drone, like way, 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 way above. And all they can see is just everything that needs to be done. So there's this huge level of overwhelm. And oftentimes they're, they come to me in a state of burnout. So they're just, it's, it's like there's just so much everywhere that they don't even know where to begin. And then I have the other side of the the coin where someone comes in and they're like, I know, I know that this belongs to my mom and I don't know how to let it go. And so it's like so focused and they're like, I just want to have a great relationship. And I saw all the relationships that she had and they weren't very good. And so it's like, it's so pinpointed in the present and so focused. So it usually comes in those two. The ones that, that show up in the side category, it's like, there is no concept that that would even be possible. So when that concept comes forward where I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is generational and we're actually going to be doing work on your mom or your dad or your uncle today. They're like, what? That's even possible? And so that those ones are really fun because it's like a whole new awakening comes forward but usually yeah it's in those two categories where it's like either so far out and so overwhelming or really 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 dialed in fair enough
still able to hear me out of curiosity <laughs> my camera my goodness there oh that's go. all good boom welcome back welcome back here i am boom that was like not really that wasn't that long that was all good <laughs> do you remember what you were saying there it sounded like yeah. for you. Okay, give her. Give it, her. it was going from so, so, so far out and then and then having it like so, so, so dialed in. And and I mean, if I say anything on that, you know, I, I just want to soften it for a lot of people because that overwhelming feeling, it extends into so many different things, like just beyond, if we talked beyond generational for a second, it goes into so many things that I think people don't truly realize, like, okay, I want to go. And so you work a lot with fitness, right? And mindset. Mm -hmm. So when people are like, okay, well, I want to go and work on a new body type or a new body way of being basically. Mm -hmm. And it can be same thing. It's like you, you go, you either probably have, and correct me if I'm incorrect, you either have people who are like, oh my God, like, no, this is what do I even do? Or you have someone that's like, I want nicer calves. I want you to show me how to have sharp calves that are so distinguished or my delts are like popping out of my shirt. You probably get them both, I'm guessing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, totally. And so I think that, you know, from a societal perspective, if we can just even just like clear out the noise of how big it has to be and just come into one singular moment every single day, that accumulates into really what we're looking for anyways. We just keep coming back to these singular moments in time just to take the stress away from it, you know? It doesn't have to be everything all at once, even mm -hmm. though I think our society wants to do that. They're like, I want it right now. I totally agree with that. Where do you think, uh, no, that that would just be a society thing on that one. Where Where would you, how would you, do people usually understand what they're getting into when they come to you? Or when people feel a hesitation to be that, open and that vulnerable how do, is it that you bring a sense of peace yeah i feel like those are two different questions i'll start with the Fair first enough. one I, same thing i think a lot of people you know they go and they look at my site and they're like you that is exactly i knew that you would have something more than say a traditional acupuncture session because i listed i forefront that and then i'm pretty forthcoming with that as well because it is so unique and it is so different and I don't want to surprise people. And so most people who come into my periphery have either had an, ex like they have a friend who had an experience or they've looked at my website or they've creeped me on social media and they're like, you are not like most practitioners. So most people coming to me have an idea of what is potentially going to happen, especially because I talk about, you know, generational work and a lot about emotions on my website or social media. The second portion of it, I can't remember your question. You want to remind me. Uh, some the That was the first part. And then the second part was how do you bring them peace? How do I bring them peace? Yeah, a lot of people can be really afraid to open up about certain details of their life. And, and I don't know if it's the way that I just sit and allow people or I use specific language to be like, it's all fucking good. Like shit has happened and I am not here to judge you. I'm help I'm here to help you get out of it. And I wonder if me being different, I'm not super, I'm not super strict. I'm not really rigid. Um, I dress different than maybe a lot of healing practitioners. And I think that disarms people in the sense of, oh, 
Like you just kind of look like a regular person who would be walking maybe down White Avenue, you know, you've got hat on. And, you know, I, I think that in itself allows people to know that I'm not like everybody else and I, I can be the space that they need. And I think the other part of it is my energy. Mm-hmm. I think the way that I can just sit with someone without having trying to fill the void, without trying to put filler words in there, without trying to make them feel better. It's the realness where I'm like, that looks like it fucking hurts. And that also Mm. sounds like that was a really difficult time. Do you want to let that go? And I think that is where people are like, okay, here it all is. We'll just, we'll just give it all to you. That would be my suspicion about what's going on. That makes sense. And I imagine because body, we understand, we, we observe body language as 82% of what we're looking at. So obviously something is high up there. I could be absolutely wrong about the stats. So someone could fact check me and just let me know that I was wrong. And that'd be cool. But I remember it being really high up there. So when we, so then it decreases even more if we're only doing voice calls and then it's at least face to face, we can see our body language. We can at least understand each other that much more. And then text people like to argue over text because then it's only looking like logics and it's not actually, you don't get to understand the, you can't, I don't think this is my personal opinion on this one, but you can't, it's difficult to be compassionate with a phone, but when you're in front of a person, then you have no choice, but to be compassionate. It's all about the inflection. All about the inflection. What do you mean by the inflection? It's like the tone. When you Mm -hmm. hear someone telling you the, the text message takes the human out of it, right? Because then you go into your own story, your own experiences, your own life, your own past. And now you have taken those texts. It's just like reading a book, right? You create your own image inside your head, your own reality. But when somebody's in front of you, you can't ignore the reality that they're in unless you're in total denial of reading body language, which is totally, I mean, that can totally be a thing. But yeah, it's like when you see the humanness across from you, that's really hard to ignore. It's uh, it's interesting because I, I think where the same sentence can mean two different things with an exclamation mark at the end of it. Oh my God, can the it only, ever? The only thing making the difference is the interpretation of the reader. Yeah. And that's dangerous. I think I that's want- why. So I think that's actually why a lot of arguments are perpetuated in via text because someone is saying like, hey, where were you? From like a tonality of I'm concerned to what difference does it make to you? It's like, uh, I just wanted to see if you're okay. And then Mm -hmm. it just perpetuates from there. Oh my goodness. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it also adds the vulnerability aspect too, because you have to be, um, well, you don't have to be, but I find that it's more efficient or in at least my best interest to just nip something in the butt earlier on before allowing it to get to like something big or letting me myself stew on it because what what we focus on where focus goes energy flows totally so if we're being in accordance to myself when i say i'm being a little bitchy about that then i think maybe i should actually address it before it becomes oh rage (laughs) right yeah because then you start bringing it's this this whole like garbage can ideology that I like to play with where we like put stuff in a garbage can and then it's just overflowing. And if we don't take it out, then we're like, ew, there's like so much smelly garbage in my kitchen all of a sudden. And I I 
find the same thing happens in relationships. It's like, if we don't just take it out when it's needing to be taken out, then we have these explosive relationships where if you haven't had experience with conflict resolution and navigating conflict with people, you have relationships that end in an instant because of something that is so insignificant that happened like six months to a year ago that wasn't, you know, you didn't take it out and bring it forward in a way to move beyond it. And you look at, I mean, my question to you is, is in all of the relationships that you've built, because you are working a lot with people, do you find that the ones that you've been able to move through conflict with are the ones that have lasted the longest? Oh yeah. Because I think, I, I think, yeah, I, I totally agree because if, if there's not some sort of conflict resolution, then when, then it, there, when the obstacles do come up, there is no communication. And oftentimes you have to be more blunt to get a point across because people are not paying for a friend. They're paying for an outcome. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes as the guides or the Yodas or the Obi-Wans or Merlin, (laughs) we're, we're the, we're the, we're the characters of, of their story. That's providing them the tools to be able to uh, get through it. And sometimes you just gotta be like, Hey, I don't want your goals to be more important to me than they are to you. I just want to get that across. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's necessary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that, you know, that's even good context to have. One of the things that I love about my, my personal relation, like, like my wife and I, when we have situations that come up, you know, that, that might be conflicting. It's like, okay, what, what do you want? before I just jump in and be a coach or whatever, do you need a wife? (laughs) Do you need a friend? Nice. Or do you need a coach? What do you need? Because those are three different ways that I will be. I'll either be like adorable and supportive and nice, or I'm going to be like, get yourself off the floor. We got shit to do. Or, you know, and, and I find when you, even with asking that, it's like a huge permission piece because not everybody wants, you know, coaching or advice. Right. Especially I think in your position, like if someone's like, oh, my God, like I don't like my body, like that's not permission immediately for you to be like, "Okay, well, I can coach you on. Right. (laughs) Yeah, that could go 50 50. That would be a 50 50. Uh, Kendra and I actually have something very similar. I'm very solutions oriented. It's like, oh, if we can figure it out now, let's do it now. So just what I said earlier. Right. And, uh, sometimes she, sometimes I'm, she'll come and she was frustrated and she was telling me about it. And then I start solutioning immediately. My advice monster comes out to play. And sometimes she's like, I just need you to listen. Right. And, and I, and I thought about, it, I'm like, damn, that's right. I like, you don't always have to give advice. Sometimes you just need to listen. So I pondered, I'm like, how can I figure this out? And so we came up with, uh, do you need solutions, Kyle, or support of Kyle? Nice. And so that's been, honestly, it's, and then sometimes she actually, she just says, she's like, I don't need solutions, just support. And she just says it, or it's just been more efficient because it just like sets the tone for the rest of the conversation. Oh. And then it's like, it's like, okay, so I don't, I, I think personally, like 
there's a, I, I believe it was Seneca that said, we have two ears and one mouth for one, for a reason. And oftentimes I, I think that more people would be able to resolve things a lot faster if they spent more time listening. Like I, I listen a lot more than I ever did before. And there's so much more information coming out with so much more specific context when you're just listening and people mm. oftentimes figure out the things themselves Yeah, and people totally. always follow their own advice the best. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think so that if we were more willing to listen to each other, you know, there might be more space to just be as opposed to trying to change or modify or censor or whatever it is, or fix or coach. Like if we could just be in it, how quickly would the way that we feel dissolve, right? Just by getting it out there. Some of the greatest ways to move through a situation is just telling the story and having somebody hear it without trying to change it or shame you or tell you it's wrong or fix it, whatever it is. Some of those are, which is probably why talk therapy has been so transformational for a lot of people is because they get to just sit there and talk and get it out without somebody trying to do anything about it you know it's the it's the energy in motion that you talked about right oh so good i got okay this is kind of going to be a heavy one but i'm very curious about this okay but what is your kind of main philosophy of how you v the character of this world what's your philosophy on existing or living or being of service Hmm. Well, you know, had you asked me that question yesterday, I might give you a different answer. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Right? Because every day is an evolution, right? And mm-hmm. and the more that we're willing to, I'll go with me, the more that I'm willing to listen to God, to my awareness and intuition, to my body, the more that I'm willing to listen to those cues I think that that is my purpose on the planet. Earth is a Earth is a space and a place that is very different than a lot of other planetary systems. And I really truly believe that we are here to learn something and evolve in a certain way or to bring a message and to create change. And this comes all the way back to your 7,000 foot versus right on the Earth viewpoint. If we zoom, like if I zoom all the way out, I can see so much happening in the world. So much happening in the world that could easily cripple me. But if I come down to my magical ocean oasis and I take a look outside of me, I am so inspired about who I can be and what else is possible. And if I stay tapped there into into me and I stay tapped into God, I can hear a clear channel of this is where you need to go. This is what you need to do. Here's what you need to connect with. And this is going to create change on the planet. It might look small. It might look like you're not doing anything other than offering somebody else a smile. But accumulations of that is what creates this level of change. And so for me, my philosophy is following my awareness, is following the nudges, and is following God moment by moment. And I say God a lot, and that can be source, creator, whatever whatever the word is. For me, I just, God is the easiest word. I like referring to universe. Sure. And okay, so this could be a crazy little synchronicity moment, and I just observed it. So I'm, I'm just, <laughs> it could be something crazy. 
but you mentioned that you learned something yesterday or something happened yesterday. And there's also an interesting kind of thing that uh, I, I became aware of in the scientific community. And I'm not sure if it would be the same thing, but it was it like, would you like to share what you learned yesterday? Or I can share what I learned. <laughs> me it go could first, be the exact first? same thing. Yeah, either or. Your, your choice. Mine was an internal awareness. Oh, okay. I was, okay, cool. You know, right now is a, a pivotal point, I would say, in my life because it would be, we're in 2023. So three years ago, it would be around this time where I noticed these nudges within myself. And these nudges within myself was telling me that something was wrong and I needed to see a doctor. Something wasn't, something wasn't right. And that, that led me to a cancer diagnosis. And at that same time, though, I decided to move. The world shut down and I made a shit ton of money. And so at, at this entire time, you know, there was so much growth, so much change, so much beauty and so much pain, so much pain. And yesterday there was this moment where I was like, growth doesn't have to equal that level of pain. Security doesn't have to equal that level of pain. Beauty doesn't have to equal that level of pain. So for me, yesterday was this like, yesterday, my purpose and my philosophy was this growth doesn't have to be that pain. I can actually be stable and receive it. I can actually feel excited and receive it. I do not have to worry and be afraid anymore. Like that, yesterday was all about trust. And today is all about a moment further than that, trusting deeply in myself, trusting deeply in what is happening and not ignoring the, not ignoring the cues. Because when you ignore the cues, that's when shit goes sideways. When you're like, oh, should I eat that burrito? Even though your body's like, please do not feed me the burrito. And you eat it anyways. And then you feel like shit afterwards. And you're like, damn it. I knew I shouldn't have eaten the burrito. It's as simple as that. And so yesterday was a little bit different than today. Mm. What was yours? Uh, learn that there's a pretty, so it's theoretical as a disclaimer, but I think uh, it's really interesting to kind of venture on past, like what we could perceive to be possible because conceptually anything can exist. The, everything we see and experience has been created once in the mind and once in reality. So it's, it's always fun. Anything that's conceptual or created by the mind we can take it in a whole bunch of different ways. So I, I like the idea of asking questions. So, but this one clickbaited me so good, but there is a possibility that our solar system actually lives within a black hole and black holes are what birth universes. So every time we see, could see a black hole, there's a possibility that we could actually see another universe, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like a, uh, a, a silver ball where that's the black hole and what we're looking into is a distorted image of what is actually there and so when we're looking at a black hole we're looking at the birth of a possible new universe which we started at at some point too which is wild because yeah. basically what you're saying <laughs> yeah. is what i experienced in like earthly life like i yeah. i saw into the black hole and a whole new possibility emerged boom right you're just like skipping on over to an alternate dimension and you're like let's uh <laughs> let's venture down this one a little bit but you know what's really interesting about that i was having this mm. conversation with ocean the other day where i was like sometimes i feel like i'm out of touch with reality because where i live 
Like you, it is for someone like we never lived here before, right? We came here and it was the first time we had ever heard about it. We'd never seen it before. No images, nothing. And so we got here and it was, I was like, where are we right now? right? Because I had spent so much time living in Edmonton. So I had that conception of, okay, well, that's what's possible for us. And then we come over here and I'm like, are we literally in a different dimension? Like it doesn't even seem real sometimes. Like I had an eagle swoop six feet in front of me, two inches off the ground. I'm like, where am I? Right. But if you're, if you're still stuck living in a different dimension, right? Your own reality that you've created, You'll never see those things, right? Until you look right into it. True. Yeah. How do you handle fear? Like, Good question. Or, yeah. Okay. Actually, yeah. Let's go with that one. Open-ended for sure. I handle it as an invitation. Mm. Because if if fear is showing up, there's one of two things that are happening. One, I've experienced this before, and I'm remembering the outcome, and so I'm like, danger or something bad's about to happen. Or two, I'm like, ooh, I've never done this before. Am I going to lean in or am I going to turn around and walk the other way? And so it's an invitation to either reflect on something that's happened or to lean into something that I've never tried before that could be something that is so nourishing to me. How do you handle it? I really like that setup. That's a good, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that mental framework. I like that yeah. one. That's a good one. Because I... I, for my, men, my, one of my mental frameworks, I now have my utility belt right next to yours <laughs> is, uh, that fear is an acronym for fault or false evidence appearing real. Yeah. And so the only place that we ever experience fear is in the hypotheticals. We never experience fear during the event. It's always to the lead up of the event. If we're doing bungee jumping, skydiving, like all those are objectively freaky freaking things. And we never experience the fear when we're in the present moment and experiencing that. So it's just false evidence appearing. It's, and this is another mental framework that I kind of latched onto that is I like to try, I try to practice thinking in probabilities rather than hypotheticals. Yeah. I think even in the sense of, you know, fear is, fear is not bad, right? It's built, it's our built-in mechanism to assess a situation. And so if we are assessing a situation and we're like, okay, we're about to die. You're sure that fear changes quickly because you get so much adrenaline. So then you're like, now where do I go? Right? So it's, it's very, it's like a glimpse, mm -hmm. but at other times you're right. It's, it can be a previous moment that is showing up in this reality, but it, it doesn't match because you're bringing baggage forward. And so you're right. It, it is false. It's like you actually don't know the outcome because you haven't lived this outcome yet. You have previous data, but it's not, it's not totally rooted in truth just yet. And then there's the other aspect of it. And I don't know if you've experienced this yet, that fear and excitement are actually a very similar sensation. And so sometimes it's the question of, okay, wait a second. Am I actually really excited about something? Am I afraid? Is that actually true? Or was that ha something that happened when I was so excited about going on this roller coaster and somebody who maybe was older than me said, okay, don't be afraid now. And I'm like, oh, that's what fear feels like. And it's a misinterpretation mm -hmm. of actually excitement. And so it's, it's that like really coming back to listening to what your reality actually is, not what anybody else's is.
because people will tell you all sorts of things about how the world is, but you only know what your experience is. Totally. I think that uh, something something that's kind of cool uh, is the idea that we confuse wisdom with childishness. And I think that's something that comes along with childishness is an innate curiosity in the world around us. And through that curiosity, I say, I like to think that curiosity curates creativity. We have so much information that we can take in at that point because we're so fresh, but over time we prevent ourselves from learning more. So we're only making informed decisions with the information that we're recycling. And if there's no new input, there's no new output. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And wisdom, there's no wound in a wisdom. The wound has been completed, right? The experience has been fully from start to finish. If people are sharing, you know, with emotion behind it, it's like it hasn't fully been processed just yet. And so wisdom, you're right, is very different from this this curiosity piece. There's no experience behind it yet that's been completed. Exactly. It's it's we're resisting the call to action. Mm-hmm. And we're perpetuating a past pain into the present, giving us permission to prevent making progress. Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. my alliterations. I go with I like that one it. a couple of times. It's how I remember it. If it's how I catch myself. Mm-hmm. If I'm like, oh, I'm letting, I'm allowing the story or the past narrative, like as in past, as in what I know, what I knew the past narrative was, and me consciously developing it into a new narrative. So every once in a while those pages sneak in and it's like, Hey, it's like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. Uh, and so that's my, that's my mental model to prevent giving myself permission to procrastinate on progress. Procrastinate on progress. That's really interesting. What do you think about procrastination? I mean, I've got some views on it or some experience on it, but I'm curious. Who doesn't have experience procrastinating? (laughs) (laughs) I think, well, procrastination, uh, there's a couple, couple different kind of rabbit holes I can think of on this one. But one thing that I can know, I know for certain is that uh, procrastination is, so I would say that perfectionism is just, perfectionists are not perfectionists. They're just really good procrastinators. (laughs) <laughs> and I know that there's the, there's a three-headed procrastination monster, like the reasons that we procrastinate and is due to authority where someone's telling us to do something and we just put it off until the night before. And then we absolutely crush it. And then it's like, if we do, if I do such a good job, uh, the boss is never going to tell me to do this project ever again. And I'll just wait until the night before, which is just like making us miserable. And then there's just a lack of desire. We just don't want to really do the thing. So we just procrastinate on it. And then there's also the sense of uh, anticipation of future pain, the anxiety, the fear of failure. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of good reasons as to the narratives as to why we procrastinate. But for what I think of procrastination, just as, as is, which I would define procrastination as a method to which we say no to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's what I think procrastination is 
I like it. And as long as we're aware of ourselves procrastinating rather than how I find society celebrates procrastination, I think when we encourage more action and making or helping encourage people, even if despite our fears of maybe our friends doing something badass, encourage it so that they can live the best way that they can. Because when you're contributing to that positive input, there's going to be positive input in return. Mm-hmm. So why not go along with the ride rather than trying to pull them back down into a bucket? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there's so many things that accumulate as to why someone is choosing the behavior that they're choosing, right? There could be, you're right, like perfectionist things that are attached to it. Maybe somebody told them that it sucked or maybe someone told that it was not good enough. And so therefore they're, you know, they're stunted. They don't want to continue forward. I'm really also been curious about the habit of it. I mean, mm-hmm. what makes some people successful trainers, right? I mean, you yourself, you probably train every day or every other day because it's habit now, right? It's become part of your behavior. I would say it has become integrated into my identity. Right. So for me, I like I created the story that it is something that I do and it is something that works towards the person that I want to be. Mm-hmm. So I basically, yeah. So it's, it's integrated into the individual that I am rather than just the habit. Right. Because when I can do- prioritize exercise away as well. Right. <clears throat> I think that it can also be one of the things that really limits people like sure there's the fear what what are what other people gonna think about me right that's always over there the judgment piece then there's the self-judgment oh fuck why ah i waited another day oh now i'm so stressed out it's like the it's like the panning out again we go all the way back to the theme of the very beginning that you started with you know the pan from the very 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 high top overview versus like right in the moment when you go so far out i think with projects courses um speeches papers that you have to write you know events that you have to plan like you go if you get too stuck in the pan out you'll be forever overwhelmed until you were forced to tap into so much adrenaline that it seems so effortless you're like oh i got into flow and you and then you start making these excuses as to why you want to wait because you need that adrenaline to take action which is it's not true right that's just the habit that has been created and now integrated into an identity Absolutely. but to shift that you know I wonder what would happen if we just shifted that and allowed ourselves so much more grace, right? And to tap into this creative flow that you had spoke about before, where it's not, it's like not a chore. It's an invitation to the life that you want to create. Absolutely. Oh, that just warmed like my heart so much. <laughs> like I just had like a wicked good like physiological response. I was like, "Ooh, okay, that was a gooder." I got little shakes going on too. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's lovely. Mm. Okay, this is a really this is a fun question. I really yeah. enjoy this question. It plays. Anyways, I'm not gonna give any context on my thoughts. But what role does love play in what you do? It's it's in everything. And I think it's kind of a marathon to figure out what that looks like for everybody, right? Because kind of along our stream of like emotions and habits and, you know, limitations, we as humans, I think need to really, I'll go back to me. I found it difficult to access love 
because I was buried under so much resentment and anger. So love played a role where there was safety. And so when I would see external factors that showed me that I was safe, it was easier for me to dip into love. But hmm. that's unsustainable, right? Because I can't keep waiting for the external, external environment to finally reach a point before I can access that beautiful state. That's a lot of pressure on the external environment. It is so much pressure. And I mean, wasted a lot of time waiting for that to show up. And so to bring it all the way in, right? You got to like fall face first into your shadows. Okay, why am I angry? Why am I resentful? Why am I sad? Like what, what is all of that? The self-reflection and bringing it into consciousness. So for me, the more I was willing to, to really look and lean and feel into those really challenging emotional states long-term, the more I was able to access high degrees of love. And being in that state of love and loving the experience from however many years ago, we'll go with five to 10 years ago, I would look at that from the outside and be like, oh my gosh, are all these people in denial? Like they just, they love everything. And I would be so cynical about it. But now having done some, you know, done some self-reflective work, I'm over here and I'm like, oh my God, I love those leaves. Oh my gosh, did you see that cedar? Oh my gosh, it smells so good. I love my life. Like it's so much easier to be in that because of the bulk has been removed. I'm sure more will show up, you know, for to face, et cetera. So love is, love is integral. If you can't sit in love, like what, what is the point? How do you, how, mm, I'm trying to imagine what, like an objection that someone would have with, listen, cause I talk about love all the time. And I could understand if folks would be like, oh man, it must be so easy or things like that. Like just narratives, right? Mm -hmm. But I think what, and I I think for a technology, like Kendra and I don't have a TV or anything. We are just on our computers for like work. Yeah. And we're very seldom on our phone. Like when every week I have the update from my phone set up for apps. And when it says I'm down by X minutes, I look at those as minutes I gained. Nice. And um. So with that, Kendra and I don't really take in a lot of negative. Are we? This is a better way of putting it. We're in a very, we're very strict about our mental intake, our mental nutrition. Yeah. So if we're intaking information and we look at that information as calories, we're intaking that information into our mind, and then our mind's going to grow a certain way depending on the way that we provide nutrients to it. Mm -hmm. So Kendra and I have been on this like crazy. A, journey of abundance and just love. Like there's just been more like, uh, intention and love in all facets of our life. We're especially in the relationships part. And it's like both for her and eyes and then others as well. And that's, and within ourselves as well. So it's been a it's been a huge trifecta. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's possible to shift from the rival or like what I call the internal rival, where it's the person that you perceive yourself to be. And we usually often get convinced by the rival to go around the corner and I don't know, do some hard drugs or something when we can look up to our inner role model and that could propel us into the future that we actually want. And the role model is someone outside of us, the person that we look up to, but the rival is like that, like very not trusting 
freaking friend of yours that's like doing sketchy shit. It's like, come on, man, let's go do this. It's like, no, nah, I think I've got to listen to the role model today. How how would you going through that process? People could be fearful of that idea even being possible and may feel the physiological response of fear, sadness, and sorrow, but respond in anger mm -hmm. in the, in the point of, you don't know shit. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know anything about me. You don't know this. You don't know that when in, in the in the realm of controllable factors, there is at least a 1% chance of them being able to change their circumstances. And in my mind, if there's a 1% chance of something getting better, then that's a, that's enough of a percentage for me to take action just mm -hmm. to see what could happen. Mm -hmm. Forgot what my question was there. Not everybody, not everybody will follow the 1%. They need a 99% success rate or option. Right. And, sure. you know, for all those people who, who access anger, access resentment, they access hatred, you know, their protective emotion of hatred, resentment, and anger is doing its job. It's protecting, right? If I push you away and if I separate from you by using these emotions, then I don't have to worry about you hurting me. I don't have to worry about you disintegrating my ideas of love and my trust because I can create the separation by using this energy to keep you away even though it perpetuates the pain. And when, when, and I see this a lot too, you know, in clinic, cause a lot of people want to be like, well, I want to have a better relationship with my body or I want to have my dream partner. And it's like, well, we have to look at your core beliefs about what love even is. Because if you grew up in a home where, you know, you look at perhaps who your two your caregivers were, right? Maybe they're together. And if they were always yelling, you might interpret, well, love equals yelling and aggression. So the definition of love is very important to define because when you look at that, then you start to have the answers of why your world looks the way that it does. Love equals pain. Love equals anger. Love in my beautiful wife's world. True love was cruel love. And therefore, when that when I came along, I was the 1% that that wasn't actually true. It was completely false. And so that core identity and core belief was able to be completely redefined. And yes, of course, there are speed bumps that you're hitting at a hundred kilometers an hour, and they can be very uncomfortable if you've hit a speed bump at a hundred kilometers an hour. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and though, once you get to that, oh my God, that feeling of pure love where there's no condition on it, there's no judgment on it, there's nothing on it than that pure moment and no noise around it. Just like how you you two are having standards about what you're willing to receive inside your field. When you can access that pure state, oh my gosh. It's like nothing else matters. Literally, you're suspended in time because the love is so strong. You don't need anything else. And so I, I really truly see a lot of people who have to navigate those core beliefs that can be so deep that they are running, you're, they're running the entire reality that's being lived in. Mm, I like that. I think to love is to be present. 
Yeah, yeah. that's cool. There is, I feel like you can tell, you know, whatever capacity there is with love, if the way that you can look into somebody's eyes. Have you ever had those moments where you look into someone's eyes and you're like, whoa, I have to look away. Cause it's like, there's so much either intensity coming at you or there's so much soft love. And some people just can't receive it yet because their their, their core belief can't match it. So they have to look away. They have to get away from it. Cause they're like, oh God, what is that? That's too much. <laughs> yeah. What is this overwhelming sensation? Yes. Those are good vibes, man. Those good are good vibes. vibes. That's funny. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. You have a, you're a, you have a very soothing presence. Thank you. Mm. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. Like I'm a really chill person, so it's like soothe, soothe. So it's like, oh shit, that's cool. Yeah, you're good vibes. You're good vibes. Where do you think? Hmm. Do you think that there is an inherent meaning to life that is a responsibility of all consciousness? Mm. Yes. And I think it might look different than what we all think it should look like. And what, what? I mean by that is everything, everything has a place and a space. And so your person may be the villain in my life. Right. Whereas I might be the 1% savior to somebody else's life. So our purposes can be very different. And so I think that if, if we can really just look at everything for what it actually is, not trying to change it, not trying to be like, you should be something else. If we can just look at and acknowledge the things that are in front of us and what purpose they play, then things might change in the way that we operate inside the world. Not sure if I fully answered your question the way you were looking for it. I think everything has its innate purpose, though. Without, if you just don't judge it, what's its purpose? Yeah, I agree with that. Where, when we when we put when we so if we see a cup, and if we're just looking at it and we don't think that's a cup, when we def when we say that's the cup, when we bring it, when we acknowledge it, it's no longer presence anymore when you look at people mm -hmm. well you're kyle but you're kyle who's wearing i mean i might have some issues with color so i'm gonna say you're wearing a gray shirt with a gray hat i think that's accurate okay so then i can also expand that into judgment if i so choose well kyle is very straightforward he's very charming very pleasant now i've placed a judgment on it right rather than just saying here here's kyle and what's mm. Kyle's purpose? Kyle's purpose is either to ask me questions, to interview me, or maybe if I go a little bit more into judgment, well, maybe he's trying to probe me. Maybe he's actually trying to provoke me. Mm. So the purpose of everything can be so interesting. And I think, I, I really think that we are here to learn so much, you know, and, and everybody's purpose is so different. And the, the reason for being here is so different. And our relationships with people are so different, dependent on each other's purpose. Like there is so many things going on inside of everybody's minds at any given second. And so the purpose of the moment 
is so interesting when you just sit with it and be like, what is the purpose of this? Maybe it was just to hear that bird call. Maybe it was just to see that eagle. Maybe it was just to smell this weird smell that I'm sitting at in front of my house. Maybe it was, you know what I mean? Like, I think the purpose is experience. I, I absolutely agree with you. That's pretty cool. I'm just kind of thinking of reflections that I've had recently and just asking you questions to see if I have like, does other people get this thought too? <laughs> so I don't, it's interesting. Hmm. I think, I think that, uh, that's something that's beautiful about purpose is I think the experience is the purpose. Like that is the name of the game of life. And then we understand, or, and then we get to choose the route to get there. I think people might take the purpose and just immediately say, what is my purpose? I have to search or I have to find my purpose, but not actively pursue that that curiosity that I was talking about earlier because when we when we go into that curiosity then we can find a purpose that we may not have ever thought of but we need the main rule of the game which is to experience life as the macro compared to the micro mm. and what if the purpose changes you know you mm. and I have been talking about what we think and, and I'm going to change that for one second into what we feel Okay. Because if we change it into that, well, I truly feel that my purpose is ever changing. You know, for for a good portion of my life, my purpose was to feel and truly integrate and understand sadness and anger and, and what it's like to be a, a sensory being. But now my purpose is to feel so much joy. It's to feel so much love. Not not from a business perspective, that's not my purpose. It's not to make a million dollars. It's not to reach everybody around the world. It's not to stand on stages. It's to understand and totally feel what's going on inside myself and my environment. It's it's so much, it's with the pan out versus coming in, right? It's like, what my purpose? Or sure, it's to be a teacher, a leader, a thought, whatever. Sure, maybe that's part of it. But when I really sit with that question that you asked, the purpose of feeling this exact moment and really allowing it to sink in with presence right now that's my purpose where it's a, a flow of connection yeah yeah what's yours if you were to feel into it as opposed to think what it is uh purpose uh i feel as though it is the uh, it's very similar to yours so i want to try giving a different answer no, give give whatever comes okay, up. Okay, that's fair, actually. Yeah, I I feel as though purpose is a sense of oneness. Like it feels like a oneness, like in the heart. Which for me, I have make sure I have a thought process. Whereas the the brain, the heart, and the gut have to be in alignment in order to be able to say yes or no to something. Mm -hmm. And if the, if it's like the heart and the gut is like a yes and the brain is a no, then I'm still going to pursue it. So this is a, the, the, when I say, what does purpose feel like? Purpose is, I find it to be a sense of oneness. And I find that oneness to be uh, something that is just taught to expand outwards, but it's just unlocking those, or a, I like to think of, acquiring those skills 
to be able to unlock those mental doors. Mm. And once we unlock more, because when we learn more, then we can, it's just controlling the amount that we learn and being, and, and just, and with purpose, it's like, it's, I look at the very microscopic, the same things, the same thing that is microscopic to which we cannot see all the way to the expanding universe is made up of the same things that we are made up of. Mm -hmm. So I think of you as a universe and me as a universe, everyone's their own universe. And that's interesting because if we're made up of the same material, because we're birthed from the same point in time, then what's the difference between us? And it's our consciousness. And I actually look at our consciousness as the uh, creator, the source, the universe, or our own internal God as the master of like the physical being, which is our individual universe. So when I, when I had this thought, cause I was just like mind mapping things out. I was just pondering, reflecting. I'm like, what do I think of this? What do I think of that? So it's not like a crazy random thing. It's something that I intentionally process through. But when I had that thought, I felt a sense of oneness and I felt big and small at the same time. Mm. Like I very vividly remember, I'm like, holy shit. Because think of like the the connection from the source point in time when the freaking like everything was created. No matter this is the funny thing is no matter what an individual's subjective belief about the beginning of time was anything that was created had to have a start point. Mm -hmm. So there was always a start point. So no matter how many people are bickering around, oh, well, it happened this way, it happened that way. Realistically, in the grand scheme of things, zoom out further, it just happened. And we're here. And the chances of either of us existing is 400 trillion to one. That one is an actual stat. <laughs> and so it's, so I feel that's the pur purpose of life is a, a universal collective oneness and to contribute to that rather than, I don't know, take from it, to, to add to it, not take from it mm -hmm. because then we're contributing to it and then it, and it spans outwards. Like I can, I feel like I can see the, like a different, different type of, like we haven't moved, but I can feel I feel more connected week after week or more present. And I feel that sense of oneness. And then that oneness is just expanding outwards. And I can recognize that because more people are connecting with me that I've connected with. Mm -hmm. So it's just providing to that oneness and that oneness returns and that perpetuates, 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 just like the ever expanding universe. So we are in alignment with the laws of the universe. That's amazing. Where, where am i i didn't park my car you? here what is this <laughs> you just hit flow you were you yeah. were one with everything yeah. i was just like i'm just gonna let this one spew out <laughs> yeah what do you and think you, i i mean oh, i feel this i feel similar i think that if i feel that the more that we connect to the feeling that we are seeking the more it compounds mm. right you put a drop of water in a glass and you keep doing that drop as if that is that is your purpose. Maybe your purpose for the day is to feel oneness. And you drop that in a glass every single day. Well, by the end of the week, you're going to have a whole lot of oneness. And the more that you continuously do that, the more that you're going to change your physiology so that it's like, oh, I love that. That was yummy. Let's do that again. 
right? You start binging on this yumminess of oneness and the feeling. And if you make that your purpose, man, can you imagine how the world would change if we were walking around seeking that from a place that's not coming riddled with judgments, previous resentments, right? Like we can actually come at it at a clean place. Can you imagine I, how I like much to, feeling would change? It would be insane. I, I put it in looking at the, so understanding the behavior, but then looking past that to understand the intentions. Mm -hmm. And I find that it's not, it's not hard to be a good person in my opinion, because it's just choosing to do something simple. Those little drops that you're accumulating in the cup. I think that those moments are also moments of oneness mm. because it's contributing to the, it's, it's like that movie, pay it forward. You're just doing one thing and then that perpetuates and that perpetuates. Hopefully the ending is not similar to uh, the kids, but uh, you know, there's a symbol, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, oh, I forgot where I was going with that one. All right. I mean, listening to, listening to the truth mm. and feeling the truth in every decision that we, that is made, can make a difference, right? Like, what is a good person? Well, that's a very loaded question. How However, would you define a good person? Subjectively. I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say anybody is like good or bad. I would, I would look more at, are they, are they speaking to me out of truth, a clean place and with integrity? Mm. Can I trust that? Or is there an ulterior motive underneath it? And to me, that kind of dictates where where and who I follow in life. I'll, I'll put it at that. So I wouldn't say that someone is good or bad because there's so much underneath all of that, right? That like, what is good or bad? It just is. I think uh, for, for a question like that, it's very important to define the characteristics of it because in order to be it, we have to understand the instructions. There you go. So I was thinking of, I, I completely agree with all the characteristics that you listed there. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. So when you, what are, what are some of the, some of the things that really bring you into oneness where you are, you're just like, I am one with the universe and all around me. You know, there's a few things that allow for that. If I find that I'm really disconnected from it, I'll I'll place myself in a situation where a lot of the noise is taken away. So for me, I'll go and place myself in nature. Maybe it's down by the water. Maybe I need to put my feet in cold water so I can fully embody within myself. Another one is, it's a, a ritual that I do every day. It's every morning. And I'll write three pages of so much gunk that's in my mind. It's just a conscious stream of writing. It could be words that I hated myself. It could be celebrations from the day before. It could be a, a topic that I really want to pick apart and find if there's a core belief in there that I haven't seen yet. And that process actually allows me to connect so deeply to myself where I, I often am like, whoa, either I didn't know I felt that way or wow, I didn't know I felt that way. This is the intonation piece that we talked about at the beginning too. And that has allowed me to dump out the garbage of my mind so that I can be closer to oneness because I'm not, I'm not, I don't have it in the back of my mind anymore. It's gone. I wrote it out. So that's another process. And the other one I would say, oh, 
is presence. Not like gifts, but presence. Being moment to moment. And, and that's sometimes I have to close my eyes so that the sensory is a little bit more sharp for me. And it's just sitting with that and being like, whoa, like, whoa, I am a living, breathing being. And I currently feel secure and my life is not in threat. And I can actually access the world and see it for the magnitude that it is. Like the working pieces that make this place exist and the level of gratitude to access, that's where oneness is. It's like, whoa. I get to still breathe. I get to still live. I get to still have lunch today. Like I get to have that. I'm forever grateful. And that, that presence allows me to feel the oneness. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, but I do want to say that sometimes oneness is being fucking angry, Mm. like being right present with it. And realizing the depth of that too. It's not always like love and rainbows and and joy. It can also be being present with this nagging emotion that I haven't looked at yet. That's also, or like needing to throw rocks in the water about whatever memory it may be. That's also presence. And I do want to, I do want to say that too. That that was a good one. (laughs) Yeah. We're at the top of the hour on that one. Uh, That is so good. That is so good. Well, the, I got two questions for you. Okay. We're going to, we're going to call it on this one. Bring me the first one. All right. You're at the end of your days. You're on a deathbed. You're surrounded by the people that you care for. What is a piece of advice that you're going to pass on? If you're going to go to bed at night and you wished you had done it earlier in the day, if you take that moment and that decision that you're about to make at any point of the day, and you know that if you go to bed at night and you're going to be so mad at yourself, then you better do it. That's one. Wow. That's good. Okay. And the next one, the best version of you is sitting next to you right now. What piece of advice are you getting for this season of your life? I'm so fucking proud of you. Keep going. Nice. Very nice. (laughs) It's short and sweet, you know? It's short and sweet. Sometimes that's all you need. Yeah. Well, folks, that is what I've got for you for today's episode. Where do people find you, V? You can find me a few places, but the number one place you can find me is Empowered Healers Academy, whether that's on Facebook, Instagram, or our website, Empowered Healers Academy. Nice. All right, folks, if you love today's episode, please do me a favor right now, share it on your Instagram stories and tag me with my handle, Dapper Dude Kyle, along with Empowered Healer Academy. Be sure to go check out the profiles very much appreciated. That is one of the ways that we grow. And until next time, I hope your day treats you as good as you look.